You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and today I'm here with special guest Gabriela Vergilov. She's here from Bulgaria. Well, she lives in Berlin, but she's from Bulgaria, and she's going to play us some music. We're going to get into the mix with her and take a break in a bit for an interview, but right now we're going to get straight into the mix. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Thank you. 
listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We've been in the mix with my special guest, Gabriela Vergilov. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the music. Hello, hello. Very happy to be here, and you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Um, so maybe uh, we should go over some of your basic biography first. Um, you grew up in a small town in Bulgaria? That's correct. It's called Tutrekan, and... Um, um, there is not more than 14,000 people population, everything on everything, which makes it really a town, not even a city. It's super small. Uh, nothing was really happening. I doubt there is anything happening there when it comes to house or techno or electro or whatever kind of underground. We never had it. Um, like no clubs, parties whatsoever just didn't exist. Well, back then, when I was a child, uh, there were discotheques, okay. right? And there was only one. Um, I lived there until my fourth grade. Then we moved to a bigger city, which was kind of more... Yeah, it was a big city and I could explore more of, more of music um, over there, like hip-hop and disco and pop music. I mean... It was popular at that time, talking about uh, late 90s, early 2000. So that was basically it, how I started getting into um, music for dance floors, so to say. Right. Um, so you, you did go to the discotheque? 
Not in my, not in my, not in my hometown. Because you were so young. Yeah, uh, obviously. Um, And I also know from my father that it was quite very difficult at that time to gather all kind of information for Western art, music, and so on and so on. Because Bulgaria is a super small country and it was under the regime also. Huge influence from Russia. So everything that was uh, imported there was either for the very special people or it was impossible for us, the normal people, to kind of access to. So I know also that my father asked friends who worked on um, um, on ships, sailing with ships, you right. know, to bring music magazines, art magazines, film cities, and so on and so on. And thanks to him, I got into... Uh, I got into music, of course, thanks to him, and uh, we listened to all kinds of stuff together, from rock, uh, early electronica, um, new age. Um, so, how were you? Were you listening to this and, on the radio, or was were like records being smuggled in as well? No, how did it work? <laughs> no records, because having a record player at home would be a miracle. You know, my father had a record player. We didn't have records. No. Not that much. I remember five or something. Everything that he had was CDs, though. He had a huge collection of CDs. And we sat at home. We listened to all of his CDs. We watched concerts. We went to concerts. He took me to a lot of concerts. And then when I moved to the bigger city... Yeah, actually... It's called Ruse. It's just a little bit bigger than my hometown, so it's not that big of a difference. What changed things for me was moving to the capital, Sofia. And yeah. that is that is where I uh, discovered uh, minimal because minimal it was a huge thing in Bulgaria, uh, influenced by Romania. Yeah, right? it's right there. So minimal was quite quite of a thing back then. It still is, by the way. Uh, techno, not really that much. All I remember was Jeff Mills coming once, Adam Bayer. Then everything was trance or like progressive house, which was. Something that was not interesting for me. Yeah, I had a similar experience in the 90s, even in New York, believe it or not. There was, of course, techno happening. Can't believe this. As far as far as like big artists coming through, you know, we'd get like Richie Houghton once a year, yeah. Jeff Mills once a year. And then it was all, all the clubs were just kind of, I guess, progressive house, trance. Yeah. That was that was the sound of the 90s in late 90s in New York. Um so when did you leave Bulgaria? Wow. I don't even count the numbers anymore because, frankly, I changed four countries for the last um, 10 years. So, yeah, it must have been around 10 years. Well, nearly eight. Um, n- not, not full 10, but... Um, I, first I moved to Copenhagen, it's very important to say. I lived there for six years, which changed uh, a lot for me. Uh, it helped me grow up not only as a human, you know, and see the world and get to know different people, um, but also to evolve as, um, as a personality. And thank God, one day I woke up and I decided that I'm not going to, you know, to, to school anymore, to, to university. I applied in two universities, got admitted that I had two studies that I dropped off because um, I was wandering um, and I was trying to to figure out who I am. Always been very creative and artistic and been around 
um, music and also fashion. It was a big part of my life. Uh, yeah. At a certain point, I was an editor-in-chief of a huge media. So I was writing articles, uh, doing styling work, doing PR, taking interviews and so on and so on. Uh, on the other hand, I was working as a hostess and um, uh, animator for um, for a Bulgarian r party in Yalta Club, which at that time was a huge club for electronic music. Again, it was mostly progressive house and tech house, right. stuff that I wasn't really into. But then on the other hand, it gave me a lot of uh, insight, uh, knowledge, and I met a lot of people and so on and so on. The funny thing is I, I worked for, for these parties for four years. Uh, once a month, in my favorite place actually to, uh, to, to go and dance was a completely different club called right. Lipstick Cervillo. So they played a lot of minimal, which at that time I liked, like Richie Houghton and so on and so on. And the other place was just a little bit of, um, I don't know. I made a compromise, but then again, I'm quite happy with that because it brought me contacts. Right. Um, so how... Is it Was it difficult for you to get out of Bulgaria? Did you go right from there to Copenhagen? Was that because of a student visa or how did that... Was that like politically a difficult thing to do? It wasn't. Um, it was just me trying to escape from from the, the very, for, my, for me, boring lifestyle that I had. Despite it wasn't boring, all of my friends saw that I have this wonderful, glamorous life in the capital, you know, being surrounded by artists and so on and so on, which was true, in fact. But there was always something missing for me. There was always something that I, um, that I wanted to have, but I couldn't have in there. And a lot of my friends told me, Gabriela, you don't belong here. You have to go you have to go somewhere. You have to go out there to the world. Give yourself to the world. Yeah. And I was a patriot at that time. I didn't want to leave. But at a certain point, I felt quite exploited by some of my employers. You know, it was it was all the time. Let's do this for the portfolio and la la la. And I was like, Oh yeah, dude, it's four <laughs> years for the portfolio. I don't need any any more portfolio. You know. And then I went to study in Copenhagen, fashion design. I did that for one and a half year. Thank God I got very fast infiltrated in the scene over there. Um, and for a short period, I knew everyone and everyone knew me. And it's, you know, you're, you're there, Bulgarian, everyone else is Scandinavian, right? Yeah. So people see you. And this is where, where DJing started for me. It started mostly like... A tryout. My boyfriend at the time had turntables at home, and I started just listening to records. And my friends used to tell me, "You should start doing something because you have good taste in music." They knew this because after every party, we would go to an after party, and I would play some of my favorite tracks, right? And someone would yell, "Gabriela, is that you? Did you did you did you choose that track? Yeah, it's me." You know, thumbs up. Yeah. And my friends started to push me more and more and more. And then I got my first um, gig opportunity, which was uh, quite interesting one. Um, in the best club over there, Culture Box, it was it was supposed to be on my birthday, and then I was supposed to play in the second main room on a 
on a lineup together with Ben Clark and I declined. And some of my friends said, you're, you're crazy. How can you say no to this? It's a great chance. And I said, well, listen, I don't feel comfortable enough. I'm not ready yet. Right. It, it means a lot for me to be there and to, to show people that I love music. I want to play music, but it's, it's not everything, you know, it's not, um, You, you need to have the balls, and I didn't have them at that time. Yeah. And I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. Yeah. It was important. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think that is a more old-school philosophy that we don't see much these days. Because everybody, oh, everybody wants to play, everybody wants that opportunity, and they, I don't even know if people stop to think if they're actually ready to do this or should do it. It's just, they're just, they just want to do it. So you wait. So you waited. You said no to that gig, and then, yeah. what, How long after that did you feel ready and actually played your first gig? I think it was um, a year after that, maybe a year and a half or something. And um, a funny thing is, when they offered this gig, it, it was in a main room. Then after that, I started playing. I played for the same club many, many times, but I played in the bar which at the time didn't didn't get any promotion, so nobody knew what was going on in that bar, right. who was playing. So basically my, my audience, who was uh, my, my brother at that time, he, he lived with me in Copenhagen, one of my two brothers, by the way. Um, my brother, my best friend and her boyfriend. Nobody really came. Despite I had friends, right? It wasn't promoted, the scene, they didn't know you were... Well, I would promote it quite quite good but i think it was also because for a very long time i was seen as a huge supporter of the scene and a total music lover and freak and addict you know i would go to the club and i would dance yeah. i i wouldn't go to drink i wouldn't go to 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 make out with anyone you know for me approaching a club is to dance to to enjoy the music and to to listen to the artist as I'm on a concert. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm classically trained and I've been there performing on the stage and from I have a different yeah. view on this thing. And then I started playing in this little place, part of that same club who offered me the you know, the night yeah. with Ben. But nobody came and it wasn't paid and I did it for a long time. And at at certain point I even heard the guy who was behind the programming of this of of uh, of that of that room he said something to the bartender like, "You should, you should delicately tell Gabriella that she should stop playing this music. What is this music? I played techno, you know, and I took it personal at that time. And I said, probably if I want to do this, I will be have to dealing with a lot of um, a lot of these uh, this mindset. Why did they want you to stop? I mean, isn't Culture Box a techno club? No, it it was more about. The guy who was behind the programming of that particular part of the club, which, as I said, didn't get any promotion, he... I believe it's based on his taste in music, because he is more of a like tech house uh, person, and I wasn't. Um, so they just threw everyone in there to play, you know? Right. Um, everyone who couldn't make it, I, I believe, to the main floor. Right. Um, but, you know, this experience really uh, made me very humble and appreciate 
people, people who actually uh, take their time to come um, to just listen to your performance. Right. Of course, then things got way better. And now I, you know, I'm resident of Ampere in Antwerp. It's one of the best clubs in Belgium. You know, Belgium is a country very popular with labels, history of techno. Yeah, yeah, for sure. N- you know, new wave and so on and so on. So one thing brought me to another thing and there is nothing that I regret. I don't regret playing there, playing there for free and, you know, yeah, I mean, you hearing, have to... hearing that my style is a little more dark, darker yeah. than usual. Well, it's like a way to pay your dues and also just get used to being in front of people playing music, even if it's not a lot of people. I think that's yeah. important and a better yeah. way to do it than just, yeah, throwing yourself out there in front of Ben Clock for your first gig ever. Yeah, no, it's funny, you know, because I, I played uh, before Ben Clock last year in a huge festival in, uh, in, in Belgium. Oh my God. It was crazy, really. <laughs> yeah, so I remembered, I remembered that case. I remember when my friend said, you're totally crazy. You're totally crazy. You're missing out. No, I was not missing out because yeah, now I'm ready. At your own pace. Yeah. So now you live, I, in the introduction, I said you were living in Berlin now, but no, you're living in Belgium now. Yeah, I live in Belgium. I used to live in Berlin for one year. Um, it was, it was this place where you go and you know you find yourself just like so many so many other artists uh, like yeah David Bowie for example <laughs> he lived there right it's the first great artist who comes you know to my mind when it when we talk about Berlin I went there to um, to become a better music producer um, I definitely improved my style a little bit yeah and Berlin became this punk in my life. And I believe every girl needs a punk in her life once, you know? So I discovered, I mean, in Copenhagen, I discovered underground, but in Berlin, I saw the real deal and I, I felt it with my everything. Um, it's written on, on people's faces. Yeah. Everything is very, I don't know, very, uh, yeah, as I said, it's it's punk, you know, it, it has this vibe, it has this energy, it can be dodgy at, at times, but at the same time it's very welcoming to artists. Mm. And I met some of my friends who then were just um, colleagues or artists I admire. Now some of these people become became some of my friends. Yeah. So the city really brought a lot in my life. Yeah, and it seems like you got some opportunities there as well for getting your music out because you've put music out on Lenny Paso's Thema label and Dustin Zahn's Enemy label. Um, did those come about from relationships that developed while you were living there for a year or? Yeah, no? exactly. Um, well, I met Lenny um, in uh, Basket at Record Store, um, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Levon Vincent had an in-store session in the record store, and I, I saw Lenny, and then I saw him th- the day after at the same record store because I went to buy records and we started to chat. So he told me about Tema, I told him about myself, he asked for music. 
I wasn't ready to, to send him music either. So I only sent him music half a year after we spoke. But then things happened quite fast for, for that uh, first release, which was digital. And again, thanks to Berlin. I used to go a lot to Berkheim, right? It's a, it's a meeting point. Yeah. Uh, and I met Dustin. Uh, I mean, I knew who, I knew who he was, and just like I would know who is who because I follow you the know, scene. You're a fan. La, la, yeah. La, yeah. So I was more like a fan, and so on and so on. And I remember it was funny. Hello, Dustin. So it was actually. On my birthday, I was celebrating it at Berkheim and at some point we were just in the same circle of people, right? On the dance floor dancing and I went to get tequila shots for everyone because I wanted to celebrate my birthday and I gave it to all of these people and Dustin was amongst them. And then we started chatting, I sent him my, my uh, first um, release for Tema and he asked for more music and then quite quite short after that he he suggested to 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 have a release on tema uh sorry enemy it, the same happened with eric eric Lutier. i got i got introduced by his wife uh, i already knew who eric was and he made a great impression when he played a set at berkind so we had a common thing to talk about he also liked the tema release and he asked for music and we're going to release that record soon, I hope. <laughs> See, I didn't even know about that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> yep. So it's, um, yeah, it's supposed to come sometime this year. Uh, we've been facing huge delay with that record, but I believe it's going to be out soon. Cool. And you ended up on Devious One's Fabric Mix. Seems like this all happened pretty fast. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, well, not really, uh, because not really because I've been um, I haven't been really having the greatest luck when it comes to timing, releasing these records, right? It's all it's always kind of. Yeah. I can tell you from doing yeah. it myself and dealing with artists who do it. It's it's really, despite labels best intentions um i started to get this okay things just <laughs> it's especially when vinyl's involved it's just yeah things things plans change it is what it is i understand exactly um dvs1 yeah well he is a mentor a total mentor he is amongst probably my five favorite artists and people in the industry he is not only a, a great um selector and technically very good DJ but he is also a great person to talk right very down to earth and uh, I I didn't even I don't know I didn't even dream of being on on a compilation or anything like that so when Tema told me I was uh, I was pretty stoked I have to say I couldn't believe this is happening especially he chose to open the fabric mix um, with that track so I'm very grateful then later on I decided to invite him and one of my other favorite artists Marco Chateau for a night at Ampere where I am a resident and we made that happen and it was a fantastic night and I was more than pleased to hear that these guys were actually looking for a day to play together so I was like yay 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 <laughs> in a way I kind of like you know, helped a little bit for this to happen. 
And the rest is, um, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, I mean, what brought us together um, is you did the vocals on Marco Shuttle's The Moon Chant, a record we put out on the bunker last year. Um, And I was going to ask how you connected with Marco, but you just already answered the question. First Uh, of all, I also want to say that I'm very pleased to be on that record. Yeah. Um, It's a great label and also one of my favorite artists. I... And, I mean, before working with Marco, I was already quite obsessed with uh, one particular track of his, The Vox Attitude. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of his big ones, big hits. Yes. I think this is just a track that really defines very well what dance music is. Music for dance floors, you know. And uh, I was secretly hoping that one day I would... (laughs) (laughs) work with him one way or another and simply being a fan kind of brought me to that record we just um we we started talking on instagram literally and at that time i was posting a lot of these amateur selfie videos where i would sing because i love to sing by the way i wanted to become a singer when i was a little girl but i just didn't didn't believe in myself anyway so i picked piano Anyway, back to Marco and, you know, when he came, um, yeah, then we, we did the party together at Ampere and later he came to, um, he came to have another party at the Fuse in, in Belgium and after the party he was like, Gabriella, maybe you should record some vocals for me, let's see. Right after he told me that, you know, I went straight home, it was 8.30 in the morning, what do I do? I start recording vocals. <laughs> and the vocals were ready for for like a like a day or something. The funny thing about this is that while I was recording the vocals, I had this idea in my mind of something uh, opera-ish, so to say. You know, I didn't necessarily wanted to sing or to talk. I felt like just do the opera thing. In the same moment, I'm recording. I receive a message from Marco who sends me a link to an acapella that has very eerie vocals, very, yeah, chanting. Yeah. And this is the exact same thing that I was recording. So I look at this message and I say, well, it's actually meant to be. It's yeah. actually meant to be because we were thinking at the same time about the same idea without being in the same room, in the same studio, you know? Yeah. So it was quite a... It was quite of a sign for me. I, I really believe in signs and it's a beautiful track. And um, thank you for, for that opportunity, both of you. Yeah, no, I love that track. And as soon as I heard it, I knew it was something I wanted to put out. And yeah, the response to that record was really big. We had to do a repress. People really loved it. So great job. Great job. Yeah. Um, and before we get back into the mix, we should talk a little bit about why you're here in the U.S. You have, it's, I assume this is your first U.S. tour? Very first, yeah. And uh, where where are you playing? Friday, I'm going to Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, playing at Tim and Ice with uh, Miles Sirsch, yeah. a, a friend of mine yeah. and a friend of yours, as I hear. Yeah, he just, he just did the most recent bunker podcast and i played for him in grand rapids which is near where i hang out in the summer last year it was a really nice party really sweet guy really talented dj absolutely 
I shared this, uh, this opinion as well. And after that, on Saturday, I'm going to Chicago uh, to play for um, Jason Patrick, Mike Terror and um, DJ Hyperactive. And Sunday, I'm going to Minneapolis to play a party called Communion. It's the opening season of that party, which apparently Dustin Zahn and Steven Centrific started almost 15 years ago. Yep. I'm very, very much looking forward. The only thing is that I just find I just found out that Dustin is not going to be there. I I got to know that yesterday while as I was waiting for my uh, for my flight, he said, "Oh, you don't know that." Oh, sorry. Anyway. Well, you're getting a really. I heard a, it's going to be a really good party. Anyway. Yeah, you're getting a really proper uh, Midwest experience with Yoo-hoo. these gigs. <laughs> <laughs> um. And any other upcoming releases, projects, gigs you're extra excited about that you want to mention before we get back into the mix? Or have we covered everything? There is a there is a release coming out on Enemy, a second one, a little later on this year. It has a track that was um, picked by uh, the fashion giant Prada. I mean, it's not a it's not a secret for any of the people around me that I've been doing some fashion before back in the day, and I'm still having the passion for it. By the way, of course, music is my my total lover. So, um, so that track was picked by by these guys from you know from from Prada, and I'm quite happy because they did a um, social media campaign with it, and they wanted something techno, and I already had it. It wasn't signed, and Dustin wants to sign it now. It's great. It, it's it's quite dark. It's quite heavy, banging techno thing. Something that I don't usually do quite a lot in in my productions. Yeah. Uh, because I'm trying to ride the fine line between house and techno. But that one uh, apparently it, it's getting already some attention. Then the EP for Palinoia. What else do I have? I have a remix for uh, DJ Hyperactive. Very, very grateful for that. It's my very first remix. I can't believe Hyperactive is a freaking <laughs> legend, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I'm layering vocals for two techno producers at this point quite well known. I can't say names at this point until the music is finished. And um, what else? Festivals, yeah. My very first appearance at Dimensions this year. It's a big one. I was supposed to be there last year, but um, one of the greatest um, airlines, unfortunately, canceled my flights. Oh, it was God. totally, uh, it was totally <laughs> impossible to get there because I had to play a festival just a few hours after the Dimensions in another country, which was a little bit of a bummer, but it made me want this even more Yeah, and appreciate, actually, the chance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about uh, life on the road off mic before the show and how challenging that is. And I think that that's that particular instance that any artist who travels a lot will tell you it just happens. Like, these are yeah. things... These are things that are happening behind the scenes that people don't know about that just can make that life uh, extraordinarily frustrating at times, <laughs> depending on airlines and 
to get you where you need to be. True, but then again, you know, easy, it's boring. Yeah. In a way. A lot of life on the road is pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so bored yesterday while I was, I was waiting for the, for the custom control here. You have no idea. How long did you wait? Um, one hour or something. Even one oh, and it, a half hour. Oh, it can get a lot worse. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's I, not great, but that's not that's not terrible. Thank you. I consider myself a lucky one in this yeah. case. Okay. Well, uh, we have some time left. Should we get back into the mix? Um, you ready? Definitely getting into the mix. <laughs> okay. So we've been in discussion with Gabriela Vergilov, and we're going to have her uh, back in the mix for the rest of the show. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Thank you.
you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Gabriela Vergilov. Uh, right now you're actually hearing the track that she did vocals on, the Marco Shuttle track, The Moon Chant, came out on The Bunker late last year. Probably still some copies floating around out there. You can still get the digital on our Bandcamp. Uh, thanks again for listening. This has been The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.